this is Sophie Wilson, and you are listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. For free bonus episodes and books, support the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing. Hi, this is Linus Wilson. I'm podcasting here from Gulfport, Mississippi on the Slow Boat. I'm here with Stevie, uh, my crew member. And uh, we just sailed for the last couple days uh, to get here as we're waiting for a good weather window to cross the Gulf of Mexico to Cuba. So if you're interested in our adventures, uh, check out my Facebook page, Slow Boat to the Bahamas, or Facebook slash Slow Boat Sailing and uh, you can get as many updates as we can give you. I think the internet is going to be going out pretty soon or become very sparse, uh, especially when we're offshore, uh, but also when we're in Cuba. You know, one of the things about Cuba is that uh, they don't really have cellular data the way that we've kind of become accustomed to in most every country in the world. So one of the great things that uh, was about our trip in the Bahamas, and, and you hear this from reports of cruisers everywhere else in the world, that the, all you need is a SIM card to um, access the uh, Internet in whatever country, and you just kind of pop in a SIM card with an unlocked uh, MiFi or cell phone that can act as a MiFi, and you have access to data. That's not the case with Cuba. Cuba's made kind of great strides with their internet coverage, uh, but they're really not there yet, uh, as far as I have heard, uh, in terms of cellular data. So one of the things that we'll have to do to bring the Slow Boat Sailing podcast to you is pay between 5 to nine dollars an hour at the the Wi-Fi's that are in kind of very few locations uh, along the Cuban coast as we move move down uh, towards our jumping off point for Panama. So we set a very modest goal of twenty dollars per episode for the Patreon campaign. Um, Nothing to report in terms of uh, new patrons, but I really appreciate the ones that have signed up, and they've gotten all kinds of bonus episodes. Uh, They got a bonus episode of Wicked Salty, uh, which was, I think, about the same length as the the one that was on the the free podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, They got the bonus episode uh, with SV Delos, as well as the bonus episode of about my book, Slow Boat to the Bahamas, uh, and uh, the Patreon supporters of the podcast uh, will also have an e- a bonus episode uh, with Nikki Steiger of White Spot Pirates, who is our guest today. All the Patreon supporters of the podcast get a free audiobook of How to Sail Around the World part-time, and uh, that book dispels many of the myths that keep people from leaving the dock 
or having cruises that end prematurely. And I think it's a great value, uh, whether you get it in ebook form, whether you get it in uh, paperback uh, or audiobook. Uh, but if you're a Patreon subs- subscriber, that is, you you pledge on patreon.com slash slowboatsailing, uh, you get that book, that audiobook, uh, for free. So the guest today is very interesting woman, uh, Nikki Steiger, is actually German, but she produces uh, videos of her cruising in her boat, named Carl, and we talk about why it is named Carl, which is an interesting story in itself. She bought this boat uh, in Panama because a friend of hers said it was a good deal, and uh, it may not have been a good deal, I don't know what she would say, Uh, but there were certainly some issues with it when she bought it. And she just has a a marvelous YouTube channel. You know, one of the things I think that came out in the podcast is that she's got an editor back in Germany uh, that is helping her compile this in addition to, you know, being such an engaging person and her, her good videos. I think they've put together just a tremendous YouTube channel. And uh, we're so happy to have her on the podcast. So I was interested in her in particular because she's cruising many of the places that I plan to visit. Uh, So she started out in Panama, so she knows all about cruising the Caribbean coast of Panama. When I caught up with her, she was in Isla Mujeres, and she had been to Providencia where I planned to visit. I have kind of been following her on Facebook since then, and... If you're kind of watching her YouTube channel, you probably, she's somewhere in Central America right now, but there's a little bit of lag uh, with her YouTube channel uh, because they take such great care to produce such great videos. Right, the last I heard of her, which was probably about a week ago, she was on the southern coast of Cuba in Sinfuegos, and so that's a little bit farther east and I was planning on going before I sail back to Panama and she plans to sail back to Panama hopefully maybe we'll run into her on the water at some point she was having a little bit of uh, boat troubles so she was out anchored at a 45 knot squall and uh, another boat dragged onto her boat and damaged her furling gear and you know one of the i guess the scary parts of cruising in cuba is because of the embargo you know uh if something breaks it's very hard to replace it and so her her roller furler on her genoa sail uh was badly broken and so she's debate and she was debating what to do about it uh, I offered to, to sail a, a furler to her. I bet I wasn't the only person to do that, um, but I don't think our timing was working out. But uh, sh- So she's thinking of sailing without a working furler to the Cayman Islands and getting it fixed in the Cayman Islands. 
So, good luck to her on that. Check out her channel on YouTube and uh, check out her Patreon page. You know, Jana watched some of Nike's videos too. I think one of the things we found was kind of, you kind of gasp because there's a lot of kind of scary moments that in terms of, you know, being a boat owner on her channel. So this, her first episode, for instance, it shows you like the one inch long mold uh, that was on her boat when she found it in Panama. There's a number of these. I caught her video in Providencia as part of kind of my, quote, research for the trip. And she was replacing, I think, a shroud with really materials you would not use for a shroud. It was just she didn't have access to the materials that you would use for a shroud there and so it was, it was kind of a jury rig type situation so there's a lot of you, you want to talk about true adventure you'll see it i think in, in uh, the white spot pirates channel with nikki steiger which is spelled like the shoe nike without further ado here's nikki steiger of white spot pirates And what was special about this boat that you were willing to come all the way to Panama to buy it? Um, well, it was a bargain. That was um, probably the most special part about it. And it was the kind of boat I was looking for. Um, yeah, so those two things were coming together pretty nicely. What, what kind, uh, so tell me, what's the name of your boat and what's the brand again? Um, it's a Ranka. That's uh, with an A? It's R-E-I-N-K-E. Okay. I've not heard of that brand before. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's, it's the name of a guy that did the plans for those boats. They don't really, it's not like a production line or something. It's not like a Bavaria or, you know, it's a one-man show. <laughs> and how big is your boat? It's uh, length overall 1120. 11, so that's 11, 37, 37 okay. feet, I guess. That's a pretty big boat. It, it, I thought it was smaller than that when I saw it in the pictures. Well, that is with the house for over, you know, the thing where the anchor is and the bathing platform and it's oh. not the waterline. <laughs> okay, so on the on deck, it's maybe in the low thirties. Uh, yeah, it's like ten sixty, I think. Ten okay. sixty. Yeah, right. low thirties. Yeah. Maybe thirty-five. I don't know. Where did you buy it? In Panama, in Shelter Bay, Milan. Okay, so near Cologne. Okay, so did you have any sailing experience before you bought the boat in Cologne? Um, I had about probably two thousand miles, um, so not massive. No, um, like, and it was um, mostly like sailing in the northern Baltic Sea or in the Mediterranean with my parents. And I've I've done overnights before, but only like one, you know, one night. It's above that, like two nights at sea or something. And I'd never sailed by myself before either. So when did you buy the boat? What, when was that? That was like three years ago. That was in May 2013. Okay. And you have been sailing around Panama, and I saw uh, some videos of you in Colombia, in Cartagena, <laughs> and then... Yeah. Where else? 
Yeah, I went to Colombia exactly, and then I went back to the Samblas. From there, I headed up to um, San Andres, and then Providencia. Then I went round the Cape of Honduras to Guanaja. From there to the Rio Dulce in Guatemala. And I, there I had the boat for like five months and did a little bit more fixing. And then after hurricane season, I headed out to Utila, Guatan. And now my last trip was from Guatan to Isla Mujeres, Mexico. So how much time did you spend in the San Blas? Ooh, uh, overall, probably like four months, maybe. Let me ask you a question that puzzles me about <clears throat> the San Blas. I think I asked somebody when I was on my trip to the Bahamas last year who said they'd been there. But what did you do about trash and what did you do about laundry in the sun? Um, well, for the trash, um, the all the like aluminum cans, the kuna collect them so you can give those to them. Like, And um, the rest of the rubbish um, I usually collect. And then there's uh, garbage burns on the islands that you go and do. <laughs> Which is probably not the best for, um, you know, for the environment, but there's not really anything else that you can do with it. Okay, so, we're, the, the, so one of the things when we visited the Bahamas, every, every island pretty much in the Exumas would have a, a that was inhabited, would have a fire pit, right, that was operated by the locals in the island. Did you do... Did you use their existing fire pits, or did you have? Did you just have to build a fire for yourself, or with other cruisers and burn your trash? Yeah, yeah. Usually that's how it works. Usually you meet up for garbage burns. Really, I mean, it's like a kind of like an event. Like, oh, do you have any garbage to burn? Yeah, let's meet up for a garbage burn. So you build the fire, and then usually you have, you know, you cook some food, some fish that you caught, and then at the end of the night you just throw your garbage on there and um, you burn it. And that's basically what the Kuna do as well, because there's no other infrastructure for the for the garbage there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we went to Staniel Key, for example, in the Exumas last year. And they, they had a dump, and they had a garbage fire that was more or less going most of the time. And it was it was a, for, a fairly formal operation in the sense that it looked like a dump, and it... It, uh, they, I think they had some heavy machinery there too, not a lot, but sounds like in the, uh, and that, that was what I heard when I talked to somebody who'd been to San Blas when I was in Florida in the, it was in the Keys, in Key West, that they, they said they actually had to do what you did, was they had to meet up with other cruisers and do their own burn. Yep, that's yeah. what you do. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then... What about oh, yeah, the, the laundry? laundry. Yeah. Um, so there's, um, so for example, Green Island has a natural um, pond on it, so you can go there and get water. So usually when you need to do laundry, or when I need to do laundry, I um, anchor up close to Green Island and just uh, get some water from there, and then I do my laundry in buckets. So, you know, just using ammonia and a tiny little bit of washing powder or washing gel, and then, you know, do the laundry thing, and then... That's that's about it. <laughs> so you did you did all fresh water with your laundry. You didn't do like yeah, a salt I, water I, I starter. I never do salt water. No. Okay, no. that sounds good. I find I, it kind of scary because it leaves so many salt, so much salt in your clothes. I think. Okay, that sounds I very painful. For, I usually wait for rain or like having a well or something where I can have easy and cheap access to water, and then I do my laundry. 
I've heard that it rains a lot in Panama too. Did you do any yeah. water catchment there? Or? Not really. Did I do what? Sorry. Any water catchment? Uh, I didn't do it at that time. I have a water catcher now because it's really handy. But yeah, at that time I was actually using wells, um, like natural wells. Or you can also go to Nagana up the river and get some water there or up the Uyuasuka as well. Okay, I want to ask you some more laundry tips. The, <laughs> did you have? Did you use a plunger or any kind of tool to kind of agitate your laundry or what? Actually, I have to admit that I'm pretty basic on my laundry what i do is i just um yeah i put the ammonia in and a little bit of washing gel and then i just let it sit a little bit in the water in the sun so the water warms up a little bit and it just soaks and then what i do is just i rub it like with my hands you know and and then i just squeeze it out and rinse it like usually like three times and then that's about it yeah not very elaborate <laughs> okay well it sounds like it's a workout for your hands when you're squeezing it out yeah yeah it's quite the workout that's true all right. Okay, so that sounds good, and I assume you air dry after that. Yes, exactly. If you are not in the rainy season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That gets a little bit frustrating when it's in the rainy season. Okay. Did you do a lot of fishing in the San Blas, or did you just kind of hung out on the beach, or what'd you, what kind of stuff did you do? Um, yeah. All Actually, that was my first introduction to uh, spearfishing, because um, some friends of mine, they're great spearfishers and so I bought a gun and um, they took me with them and taught me which fish I can shoot and then I just practiced around and it's it's really a lot of fun I really enjoyed it and um, it feels kind of great to catch your own food and go like oh you know this is what I caught and I'm eating it well I heard I think you mentioned that you knew the McDaniels you knew Tate and Danny yeah we actually went spearfishing together in Providencia yeah they said that the Kuna Indians would not let you fish in the inner reefs. Is, is that what you found? I've never really had any Kuna approach me and tell me not to fish. Maybe it depends what islands you go to. And actually, also, I've been fishing with the Kuna, and they've been showing me, you know, how to, how to catch the crabs. And um, so, but it's changing a lot um, at the moment as well, I think. Like, the Congresso is putting out new rules every now and then so I guess I can't really tell what's the actual rules right now I just can say like from my experience they've never intervened or told me off for fishing okay so maybe Tate had a little different experience than you did maybe, maybe he was getting all places. the big fish I've seen some yeah. of the pictures so maybe they're getting upset <laughs> okay yeah maybe he was, he was too good Exactly, he's right. too good. Too okay. much of a competition. All right. <laughs> I was just getting the nasty little ones, you know. They didn't want them. Well, I think Tate's a native of Louisiana, and maybe the skills that are developed if you you're native to Louisiana. Um, but I'm not. I'm not originally from Louisiana, even though I live here, and I'm not a very good fisherman. So you use a gun. So you use yeah, the... spear gun, yeah. Oh, okay. And there's not a prohibition about having spear guns in Panama. Not that I know. I don't think so, no. Okay. It depends in what area. If it's a marine park, obviously, you're not allowed to fish. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, you're actually just supposed to do artisanal fishing, which is with a line. But then... Permitted. Yeah, I think, like, in the Bahamas, you were it's supposed to only <laughs> have, like, a Hawaiian sling. You couldn't have a spear gun, but I think that varies in different places, whether or not you can use a spear gun or not. Okay. Yeah, yeah I was kind of thinking about my fishing kit and... I'm not sure if I'm totally committed to the idea of trying to uh, spearfish of any kind, because 
I'm not very good at holding my breath, I think. Yeah, well, you, you get better with time. I was really crappy in the beginning, and then with time, you really you really do get better. So there's hope. No worries. Did you <laughs> have you a... can always fish with a line. That's pretty, you know, that's pretty easy to, or trawl, or, you know. Yeah, I was thinking we would get the trawling, just because you're on passage, you might as well do something. What about, did you have a weight belt? Uh, no. No, okay. All right, did you, did you find the reefs were very deep or not really where you were? Some of them are, and if you want to get the bigger fish, you actually have to go pretty far down. Um, so, you know, and then there's like the caves and the snappers, they like to go into the caves and stuff, and the groupers as well. Most of it is between three, eight, or ten maybe. And I assume you're saying in meters, right? Oh, I'm saying meters, yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't, if I go down ten, I have to go, way, you know, right up, but I'm just, you know, yeah. for me... I feel comfortable like three to five meters. That's like what I feel comfortable in. And then diving deeper is a big challenge for me still. When you left Panama, how was your trip? Uh, where did you go from Panama? You went from Cologne and then you went to the San Blas. Was that the second part? Um, well, yeah, my first trials were like around Panama and then going to Puerto Lindo and um, Portobello, Puerto Lindo. And then I had to go back for another big fixing round. But then when I actually left, yeah, I went to the Samblas. And from the Samblas, my first uh, bigger trip, like 200 miles, was um, sailing from the Samblas to Cartagena. Uh, tell me about Portobello. What can you expect to see when you're in Portobello? Is there... Um, there is, yeah, there's grocery stores for sure. Um, vegetables are not super great. Um, there's restaurants and there's a really nice bakery as well. And as I always row, I wouldn't really know, but I assume you can get fuel, yeah, most likely. Okay. Not Did, diesel, I think, but yeah, probably get gasoline. Maybe gasoline. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Does your sailboat have an engine? My sailboat has an engine, yes. <laughs> uh, do you use Bristol. it ever or not really? Um, I do use it, yeah. Okay. Um, I use it for, you know, if there's no wind or for getting out of an anchorage or getting into an anchorage. And, um, yeah. Sounds, or sometimes sounds like it's pretty reliable situation. for you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's cool. So uh, have you been to, uh, what is it, Linton Bay or? To where, sorry? Uh, Port Lind Linton, is that right? That you mentioned that you went there? Oh, yeah, Isla Linton or Puerto Lindo, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've okay. been there. I, I yeah. stayed quite a while there. Um, What's that like? I really liked it. It's, uh, it's a nice surrounding. The, it's very small. I mean, there isn't much. There's like maybe three, four restaurants and like maybe two or three little tiendas, like little stores. But it's, I think it's a nice place to go, yeah. There's... There's good snorkeling as well, and the people are nice. I found them really friendly. And that's, what is that? That's about half the way from Portobello to, uh, <laughs> what's, what's the big check-in point in the Sound Blas? Uh, Port Veneer. No, it's, um, from, uh, from, uh, um, from Puerto Lindo to Port Veneer, it's like 40 miles, I think, if I remember right. 30, 40 miles. Okay, so and, not very far. Uh, from Portobello to Puerto Lindo, I think it's only like 15 miles, if I remember right. Okay, so Porto Lindo is maybe about halfway between uh, Port Veneer and, uh, and Cologne? 
So none of those places are very far from each other. How is the trade winds uh, on the the coast of Panama there? Are they very strong, or so are you? Is it really hard to make uh, easting from Cologne, or not really? Or did you always go from South? No, you started in Cologne. Uh, I started in Colonia. When I went the first time, there is hardly any wind. It depends if you're in the in the rainy season or in the in the dry season. And then there's always the nasty squalls that you have there as well. Right, there are a lot of squalls in Panama, right? There's yeah, a pretty tons squally of squalls. place. And especially in the in the rainy season, you have a lot of thunderstorms and big squalls. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like Louisiana. Summer, yes. there's not a ton of wind, but there's a lot of squalls. And and so the the summer time is uh, the North American summer time is the rainy season, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The hurricane season basically is the is the rainy season. It's it's a hurricane free area in Panama, so you can still hang out there. Okay, and then in Puerto Lindo, uh, can you get fuel there? Do they have like laundry stuff like that? Did, or did you have to still use the bucket? Um, I usually always use the bucket i think there's a laundry service there's definitely definitely gasoline that you can get there um if you go to the end of the town um towards the east there's a there's a guy that sells gasoline okay and he sells gasoline a, but maybe not diesel the, isn't there a marina there in, oh, in no, no, but there's linton bay gas station like for cars so you could probably go there with like uh, jerry cans and get diesel there's a new marina building um that has just been opened like recently like think half a year ago but i don't know if they have diesel tate mentioned that he hauled out at linton bay is that right uh, so isn't there a haul out yard or something there that's in Panama marina yeah that's a french little marina they have um moorings they, they don't have docks but they have the mooring system and you can haul out there yes that's correct okay. i don't know if the new marina in um in puerto lindo already has the haul out set up i don't know that okay so Panama maria Marina is not in Porto Lindo. Is, did I get that wrong? Well, it's just before. Basically, okay. it's connected with a little mangrove tunnel to um, Puerto Lindo. Okay, so they're pretty close together. They're pretty close together, but still, you'd have to like if walking distance, it's probably like half an hour, maybe three quarters of an hour to walk there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like forty minutes maybe. So one of those is which one's further from the town? <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know. I guess the new one might be a little bit further, but I'm not sure. I mean, if you go through that mango tunnel with your dinghy, I guess they're about, about the same distance. Oh, okay. So it's kind of you dinghy from wherever the the marina or marine facilities are to the... There's some sort of dinghy dock in town? Yeah, there is. I think most people go from Panama Marina with the dinghy through that mango canal and then to the town. Or if you have a bicycle then you could just go the dirt road to to Puerto Lindo. That's yeah, what I used I, to do. I saw some on your videos that you have a bike. I, I had a bike when I was, was cruising last year, and I almost threw it in the Gulf Stream because I hated it so much, but I ended up selling it. But you probably have a better bike than I do. Uh, I guess you're pr- probably made of aluminum or something. Oh, it's an awesome bike, actually. It's a, it's a Brompton bike, and they uh-huh. um, there is a sponsorship. I mean, I could have never afforded the bike, but um, so I, I was, it was given to me, or it was a, a trade. Oh, cool. So um, it's really beautiful. It has gears and everything, and it actually works really well. Well, it works well on 
on roads. It doesn't work so well off-road, I noticed, okay. <laughs> especially not going downhill. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not a very good downhill cyclist either, nor am I a good uphill cyclist. Uh, <laughs> so what's it made of? Is it so, made of aluminum or is it steel? Or what is it? Don't know. I guess it's aluminum. Carbon fiber? No. Okay. <laughs> That's right. It's some, some kind of metal. I'd have okay. to lie. So I, I'm not really sure. Okay, yeah, I think the problem I had was mine was definitely made of low-quality steel, and it was rusting out very quickly. No, mine, mine I mean, I keep mine inside, so... Oh, I see, okay. That's a I good really idea. try to keep it away from salt water. Yeah. Um, but it hasn't rusted so far, and I have it now since uh, a good year, I think, at least, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, so how did you uh, start with your YouTube channel? Were you kind of doing videos before you started? Uh, with the boat or did you just uh, start doing it with the boat uh, no I didn't do any videos before that was um, I worked in marketing before and I was um, uh, there's this uh, photographer that I was working like I was working on the company side so I, there's a photographer that I booked to do like product shots and product videos and um, one day when I was at his some place and we we're like shooting some um, products or he was shooting some of the products that we we're selling I was talking to him about my journey, about the plans of going sailing and this and that. And he's like, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool to make like a little documentary out of what of, of your journey? And I was like, well, that'd be really cool. But the problem is I don't know how to film and I don't know how to edit. <laughs> and um, he's like, well, you know, I'm sure we can figure something out. And um, that's basically how we started off. Like I had a, um, a GoPro that a friend of mine had given to me. And um, I was just, you know, I was just shooting some stuff. And then I was, um, at that time, I was uploading him little 10-second um, snippets, like little tiny sequences. And he was putting together the episode in, in Germany and putting the music and everything. Oh, wow. So you have an editor. I have an editor, yeah, exactly. Oh, that is awesome. Okay. <laughs> well, because it's, um, well, and now, now it's like, we have now like a three months delay and now I collect all the data and I sort it, I go through it, I, you know, I label it for him. And then I, I say like, okay, this is one episode, this is the other episode. And then I usually I send stuff home with people that I meet that are from Germany. So he gets like, you know, hundreds of gigabyte of data every once in a while. And then, yeah, once a week we get together, he sends me like a preview and I go like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe here or there is different. And that's, that's how we operate. But I guess if I had to do the editing myself as well, I probably wouldn't have much time for sailing or refitting or exploring anymore. So, uh, the name of your YouTube channel is The White Spot Pirates, is that right? Yes. Why did you choose that name? Well, in in German, like, um, white spots like on um, are like places that are undiscovered. Like, like white spots on a map that would be undiscovered places. So, for me, the idea behind this this name was, you know, everyone has a personal map of their life, and there's like dreams or, or projects that you want to do but you haven't done them yet. So they're kind of like white spots on your personal map of life. White spot pirates, meaning go and look at those spots that you haven't discovered yet. Like look at your dreams and go and conquer them. You know, go like a pirate and go and discover them and turn them into like turn your dreams into reality. Okay. Why don't you tell me about San Andreas? How was your sail to San Andreas? Where did you sail from to get to San Andreas? I left from the San Blas Islands, and um, it was like a 
40 miles, I think, sailing up there. It was uh, three nights and two days, and it was actually a really nice sail. The weather was good. It was like 15 to 20 knots, and the waves were two to three meters, so it wasn't too bad. And it was an important sail for me because when I came back from Katarina to the Samblas, I felt a bit defeated, and I felt... Um, I was actually thinking about sailing the boat, to be honest. <laughs> and um, so for me, the sail, leaving from the Samblas to go to San Andres was kind of like getting back into the saddle, kind of like turning that bad experience that I've had into something good. And it worked out, which was beautiful, because it, it gave me new confidence and... Yeah, it was a great sail. You had some trouble sailing Columbia from, from Colombia to the San Blas. I noticed on the charts, for example, that there are warnings on the charts about huge waves around Colombia. <laughs> and and I just interviewed somebody talking about some really crazy waves. It, it, his story seemed so incredible, I could I was having trouble believing it. But he said he was saw some 30-foot waves, so... Nine that meter. would be uh, up at the, what is it, Santa Marta or something, where there's always this huge low, there's always like 30, 35 knots of wind, and they do have crazy waves up there. It's, that's possible, I guess. So what was wrong with your sail from Cartagena to, uh, to San Blas? <laughs> it, was, it was during the night, and I, was, I usually use my wind vane when I sail by myself, and one of the pulleys that aligns with my wind vane uh, broke off, so... Uh, I had to fix that, and um, I was kind of, like, tired, and what I should have done would have been to heave to, you know, stop the boat and fix that thing in peace, <laughs> but what I did do was I, I just, I was, with one hand I was holding the tiller, and with the other hand I was trying to fix that pulley, and um, I, was, I was sailing um, on a boom breach at that time, and I, I had a preventer set up and everything, but fiddling around with that line and everything and then I let it go of the tiller in one moment what happened is the boat went into a jive and when the when the wind came into the other side of the sail it's supposed to hold the boom right but something on on the boom where the preventer was attached to it broke off so the boom and the sheet and the tiller came over and like squeezed me or threw me onto the back of my cockpit bench and the sheet just went like really close to my neck, like, you know, it was just swishing by my head, and missed me by maybe five centimeters or something, and that was, uh, it was kind of like a crazy experience, and that could have ended, like, pretty badly, and I think just for me, there was an experience that I was thinking, you know, that was so stupid of me, and um, I don't know, I was just really judging myself for making this mistake and being so uncareful, and I was just questioning myself if I if if this was really the right environment for me, the sailing and everything. And yeah, that that was that was basically that was basically it. And then the whole trip afterwards, like the whole, it was another twenty four hours after that. I think it just didn't really it just didn't really feel good. Uh, so you had that kind of near death experience. You thought you were either going to break your neck or came very close to having the sail knock you off the boat. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, you know, that could have possibly killed me, I guess. <laughs> Didn't have a working autopilot either, right? Yeah, that was the problem that the autopilot is uh, not strong enough for my boat. So the waves were pretty strong. 
and that the autopilot wouldn't hold uh, the boat um, on course. And uh, I did fix the wind vane, but it doesn't really, I haven't figured it out yet. I'm boom reach very much, so. Okay, so you have an electric I... autopilot and a wind vane, and the electric isn't strong enough, and the wind vane uh, was malfunctioning. Uh, the wind vane was functioning, but. It was, it was kind of like always wanting to go through the jibe, so I was like, kind of had to correct it all the time. And I, I couldn't really sail down, really straight downwind with it. And the electrical one wasn't working yet exactly. So I had to hand steer for, for really heading down to the Semblas. The last seven hours I had to hand steer, and that was kind of tiring as well. Right. Is your boat a fin keel? It's a twin keel. It has two, two, keels. two short keels, yeah. Two short keels, okay. Interesting. I don't know many twin keel boats. Uh, that sounds good. I think they're they're like a bit more popular in the northern sea because of the because of the tides. Oh, okay. How does it help with the tides? Well, you can just dry fall really easily. You can you can what? You can fall dry really easily. I don't know if that's an English word. Like you can you know, if the in the northern sea, you know, there's the water goes like all the way away, and you can just sit on the oh. on the sand, and you know, you can oh, possibly okay. do something you, on okay. your Okay, you can be up high and dry, would yeah, be they, exactly. they might say. Yeah, cool. Uh, your English is very good, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. All right, so you you had a good sail to San Andreas. How long did you spend in San Andreas? Oh, uh, I think it was two weeks. Yes. From what I read, there's kind of a lot of stuff you can get in San Andreas. You can reprovision if you wanted to. You could fill up on diesel, etc. There's there's a fair amount of people there, right? Yeah, they have they have diesel, they have diesel, they have supermarkets, and you can get like some supplies for boats. Um, and there's uh, there's also water you can get, but only like with big water bottles, like five gallons water bottles. Right, because yeah. the water that they have at the marina is actually no drinking water. Okay, it's not potable at the marina. There is no, a marina there, no. though. That's that's kind of amazing. How big there's is what, internet? Yeah, yeah. There's a marina like, there. Sorry. You said there's a marina there. There's a marina, yeah. Yeah. Mayonnaise marina. Okay, and then you spend some time in Providencia. Providencia, and then uh, Providencia is a little little less populated than San Andreas. Yeah, I have to say I I very much preferred Providencia over San Andres. San Andres is really like touristy, and it's like what Mallorca is for the for the Mediterranean. I guess it's uh, okay. That's, that's what it is. What I San would Andres I, is. I would have never group. guessed that. How is Providencia? So you liked it better? It's a little more laid back. It's way more laid back. Yeah, it's it's just more quiet and um, more. I don't know the the anchor the anchor bay um, in. San Andres is also not very nice. The holding is not very great, and it blows like stink all the time. And Providencia was just way calmer, like nicer, and um, also it's a bit like you have all the little hills on there. The, the whole island, like the whole nature um, there, I just found it a little bit more appealing. And the people were really nice. I mean, the people at San Andres were nice too, but I just kind of connected more with, with Providencia. They have a lot of like really nice music scene going on there as well. And you, you thought the anchorage was pretty good? Yeah, yeah, I'd say that was pretty good anchorage. Okay, so once you got to Providencia, then you had to round Nicaragua, is that right? Yeah, you, you go up 
uh, you go along Nicaragua, east of Nicaragua, and then you go around the Horn of Honduras, yes. Okay, and then you, you'd stayed at, uh, you had some stops there, and then you got eventually to where you are now, uh, Cancun, Isla Mujeres. Are you in Isla Mujeres right now or Cancun? I'm in um, Isla Mujeres right now. Okay, that's the cafe you're talking to me from. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Have you gone across to Cancun yet or not really? Um, yeah, I had a friend visiting um, for some time and we went over to Cancun with her parents and we rented a car and we checked out some of the Maya, Maya ruins around here. So which ones did you like the best? Or which which ones? Did, which which uh, ruins did you go to? Uh, we went to the Cuba ruins and the, to the Tulum ruins. I prefer the, the Tulum ones. It's They're a little bit more filigrant. I don't know if that's an English word. They're, they're more fine. Um, and they're at the, the seaside. So that's obviously, you know, if you live on this, at the sea, that's always something that <laughs> that is uh, beautiful if something's at the sea. And to get to the mainland from Isla Mujeres, there's a ferry, is that it? Yeah, there's just a couple of ferries. Um, it takes like 20 minutes maybe to go over. And it's uh, like 10 bucks return, a little bit less than 10 bucks return, I think. And you can pretty much get everything you want in Isla Mujeres or not really? Sometimes you'll want to go into Cancun. Uh, you can get, like, like provisioning-wise, you can get everything here. And then if you need, like, boat stuff, I guess you probably have to go to Cancun. There's also lots of stuff here, from what I've heard. Uh, and there's a big, like, I mean, obviously, if you want to provision big time, there's, like, a Walmart in Cancun, so that would be a little bit cheaper than shopping here, I guess. I think, uh, like, two weeks. Yeah, okay. a good two weeks. And have you been in a marina most of the time, or did you anchor? Uh, I came in kind of like at night, like with the last light, and I anchored. And um, it's a pretty <laughs> a bad anchor. It's like the holding is really bad. Right. And at the second night, my boat dragged, and I ended up on a sandbank. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh, oh, so no. How did you get off? It was a wild maneuver. Like, some people came over with um, dinghies and... You know, like pulling and pushing, and in the end, we got Carl free. And but it was, yeah, you know, it's always pretty embarrassing when you drag. Carl is so. the name of your boat. Carl is the name of my boat. Yeah. Did, did you change the name of your boat when you bought it, or is that always been the name? No, I did change it. The name before was um, Bella Bianca, like white sail. Okay. And the, the, that was already the second name of the boat. So I was like, well, you know, if they change it before, I, you know. You know, people say it's unlucky to change the name of the boat, but it, the Vela Bianca just really didn't mean anything to me, and I just wanted to have a name that meant something to me, and, you know, it's, I think it's better for the bonding with the boat. Okay. Who is Carl? <laughs> Carl is my boat. There's no person that stands behind the name. Okay. Um, Carl, okay. You uh, said it um, meant something to you. That was why I was asking. Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. It's, uh, it comes from an old German world, a word, uh, Karal, and that means um, husband, but it also means the free one okay. at the same time. So I thought that was a beautiful paradox, <laughs> first of all. And also, I thought it was a great name for the boat that will be my house my companion and uh, you know my travel device and for the next future whatever years <laughs> and i thought that would fit really well and it is a simple name it's easy to spell and 
easy to understand, so I thought that would fit really well. Okay, is Carl with a K or a C? With a K. That's the only thing where, you know, that's the only difficulty about the name. Is it a C or a K? Alright. Sounds easy. It was awesome talking to Nikki Steiger of White Spot Pirate. The folks who pledge on Patreon will get the rest of that interview. We are now podcasting from Dauphin Island, Alabama, as the slow boat continues to make its easting. Uh, you just missed uh, Stevie's concert. Pretty sweet tunes. Hopefully we're going to get him to share them with us in an upcoming podcast. Get a copy of How to Sail Around the World Part-Time on Amazon, or you can get the album on iTunes, or Amazon is an MP3 download. Dispels many of the myths that keep people from leaving the dock or going on the cruise of their dreams. You can also check out Slow Boat to the Bahamas on Amazon, and if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get the extra audiobook Uh, episodes for people that pledge on patreon.com next week on the podcast we will have Doña Cornell of Cornell Sailing daughter of Jimmy Cornell and she has circumnavigated the globe before she was 18 and she wrote a great book Child of the Sea and we'll talk about that we'll talk about her experiences and we'll talk about Cornell Sailing in episode 15. I hope that we'll be able to bring it out uh, next Wednesday, but I'm not 100% sure depending on what the internet situation is for the slow boat as we make our way to Cuba. Tell your friends about the podcast. You can like us on Facebook at the Slow Boat to the Bahamas page and find out our progress there. Stevie and I want to say a warm thank you to Nick Galt, who visited us on a very rainy, stormy Sunday in Gulfport, Mississippi, to bring us beer and root beer. Thank you for the gift. Thank you for telling some stories. And can't wait till we uh, see you on the water. So goodbye for now. Have some fun on the water. Sail on. Until next week, this is Linus Wilson. Hi, I'm Jana Wilson. Thank you for listening to the Slow Boat Sailing Podcast. Subscribe to our free newsletter at slowboatsailing.com.